right, everybody. Welcome to the show. Good to have you here. T.W. Riggs Weekly podcast called the Tennessee Wildcast. Jason Harmon over here. Good morning. Good day, Jason. Good day. Good, Good day, day, mate. Good day. <laughs> I'm Doug Markham. We'll introduce our guest in just a minute. He's a special guest. He's a repeat guest. Anyway, uh, before we get there, though, Jason, uh, we're in the middle of everything, right? It's uh, deer season. Getting cold. Getting cold. Duck season. It's a good thing for ducks, right? Yep. Is it I rabbit hope. season? Is it rabbit? Yes, it's rabbit season. There you go. It's, uh, or is it duck season? It's, 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 it's both. <laughs> yeah, Those two it's guys both. would have a bad time. He's, he's going back to his cartoon days. <laughs> All right. Let's just go ahead and say Chuck Yost is here. Yes. Chuck is here. Chuck is our one of our assistant chiefs of uh, wildlife and forestry. And uh, Chuck, thanks for coming back. You're welcome. Glad Appreciate to be here. A lot going on in your shop, and that's why we got Chuck. In here today, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff deer. We're going to talk about that big deer again because we all got to see it recently. And we're going to talk about other big deer that Chuck's seeing. And we're going to talk about CWD and whatever subjects deer might come up. And then hopefully Chuck can give us a tip or two on uh, shooting deer this time of year, finding yeah. them as we get later into the season. And really starting to, uh, to I guess we're past most of the, Chuck is the expert on that, past most of the mating time of year. Um Rutting time of year probably is better biological word, Chuck, I guess. Either way. But we're getting past it, and let, get some good tips from Chuck and you too, Jason. There's still, I'm still seeing some bugs running out there. Uh, no doubt. It doesn't all stop at one time, does it, Chuck? No, it, it doesn't. <laughs> my, my favorite time is no, November 15th through December 15th, so we've got a few days left in that window, but it's a good time. It's a good time to go, and then, then go hunt their stomachs because it's going to be cold out there, and they're going to be looking for food That's right. all over the place. Let's talk about that big deer first, though, okay? And when I say that big deer, there's been a lot of them lately. Chuck and I were talking before the show started about so many larger bucks being killed this year, and we're going to discuss. Chuck's going to tell us exactly why, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> but I'll talk about them. Okay. Well, let's talk about that other buck first, the one that, that may be our world record buck here out of Tennessee, non-typical, 300-plus uh, points. I mean, 300-plus uh, <laughs> inches in length. <laughs> it looks like 300 points almost, 47 points. And this young man came to the Wildlife Commission meeting the other day, and he is a nice young guy, yeah, pretty quiet guy, and he let all these commissioners and everybody else take photographs with this rack. And our director up there, one of the shots top, and that's Dale. You recognize Dale. But he came to the meeting, brought this rack, and, and just uh, let everybody in the world touch it and spend time with him talking about it and all that stuff, recognized him for um, for his accomplishment over in Sumner County, Tennessee, and this deer, we don't know if this rack's going to be a world record or not, but it's still going to be one of the, you know, one of the elite deer racks from a free roaming deer ever taken in America. So yeah. it was pretty cool seeing it. Give or take a few inches, it could be a world record or not. It could be, and you know, one of, the, one of the things that we said about it, Chuck, is this was not a massive body deer; it's just a unique rack. Right? Yeah, that that's true. I I think one of my favorite parts of that presentation or that story uh, was shared by Dale Grandstaff and that was the fact that it's it's not that unusual for us to see those antler characteristics in that area of Tennessee so uh, that that was pretty cool. Yeah Dale did a great job. Dale's been on here a time or two with us now and he came in and, and talked about the rack a lot and how it was measured and, and his friend that measured him with him and but it, the presentation he gave, Dale is so good at talking about that kind of stuff, was pretty fascinating. That, And when he said the characteristics, you mean the, the non-typical style and shape of that and the points, and is that what you're referring to? Yeah, that non-typical rack, and but also the palmation that, that, that deer expressed. 
Okay. Well, no. Sometime in January, they're going to get together and, and measure again. And then two or three years from now, it goes to be looked at again with Boone and Crockett. But we'll know more about what the deer, uh, how it measures once it dries out. And is that true of all bucks when you're measuring them? Do you have to wait so many days before you can measure the rack and do the official Boone and Crockett or the Tennessee Register or whatever? Yeah, that's correct. People commonly refer, refer to a preliminary score as a green score, meaning that it's not dried out. But, yeah, you have to go through that standard amount of time uh, just so if there is any reduction in size that it's accomplished before the measurement, the final measurement. Okay, Chuck. What kind of year we have? And, I, I, you know, we're talking buck stuff all the time and big bucks. People don't just go hunting for bucks. They love to shoot does and fill their, their freezers full of venison. I know Jason likes to go out and get some deer meat, and yeah. it's not always about hunting the antlers. But there are a lot of folks who do like to hunt the antlers, and, and I know you all try to manage to please everyone. So how is it going so far this year, and, and uh, what did you mean by some big bucks being taken? Well, overall, the, the average seems to be – or I'm sorry, the harvest seems to be average. Uh, so we've, we're having a typical year. Um, that That's really no surprise. Um, they're, they're, we are excited about what we're seeing in antler deer mm-hmm. because it, there's just been a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement about a lot of large antler deer that are being harvested so so there's a there's a there's a lot of excitement about the antler deer that are being taken overall the harvest looks normal you know we're we're just now getting to the time of year where that where the antlerless harvest uh, spikes so I, I i anticipate unless there's some strange weather events over the next few weeks that we'll really see an increase in that antlerless harvest okay i have to ask you why does it spike now well it, it, i two reasons one is deer behavior but second is is that hunters tend to uh hold back uh, on antlerless harvest until until the, towards the end of the season i see that they don't want to get that last buck before it's all over I right. Suppose, right okay and of course they're not running like they were after the does i don't know if that's what you mean by deer behavior or not but it's it just a whole different dynamic the second part of the season right do you like the second part of the season as a hunter do you like hunting you said your favorite is november to december but what about the rest of the days until we get all the way to the youth hunt in january well i i, I love to hunt so any time of the year where i can hunt is it's it's great um, but the the most exciting time is during that rut for me. Um, but just like I described earlier, is during the rut I'm focused more on antler deer. But uh, once that slows down, I'm gonna I'm gonna harvest a, a couple of antlerless deer for meat to get me throughout the throughout the year until next deer season. And I think that's what a lot of folks do. Okay. All right. Now the the you said there were some big bucks being taken. Dale Grandstaff sent me a text the other day we were talking about Stephen tucker and that's the young man that took the we didn't mention that again that took the the non-typical buck but he wrote me as we were discussing that and said uh one another deer another buck i don't remember what county i'm sorry but it was a 191 wow and which i guess is a typical but this is and then you talked about a, a drop time that you saw somewhere what uh where was that deer from and, and what did it look like well i, I it, I just saw a picture, so I don't know all the details, but there was a really nice double drop time um, buck harvested in Hardin County, and uh, it was just a, a bruiser. I believe it had 14-some-odd points, and 
Uh, it didn't, you know, it just had uh, really heavy, long drop times that matched, and it was just impressive. And I, I, I can't wait to see it in person. Right. I hope I get that chance. All right. You said you're not sure why this is going on. I'm sure it's not because you're up there now, and Joe Ben Dick's up there now, no. and Mark Gillen's <laughs> up there now. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's just, you know, we've got regulations in place that are, you know, helping. Mm-hmm. helping with the age structure of the antler deer that are harvested and then hunter you know the hunter behavior or preference however you want to describe it is is that people are you know letting more and more of those yearling bucks walk and um and we're beginning to see in a very big way the positive results of that good good deal um th- this as we get into the years ahead, and I know there's constant discussion in the wildlife division, you guys are always talking about what's the best way to manage deer. It pretty much doesn't stop. And, and you have a lot of different pressures up there um, about managing deer. Do you see anything, though, coming down the pike right now that's going to be va- vastly different? And I want to note, too, that Chuck, is he's the assistant chief. And he has to talk about a lot of different things. James Kelly is over the deer program. We're going to get James on in a few weeks. But... Have y'all talked about anything that you see drastically in the next couple of years changing, or you like the way it is right now? Well, there's there's two there's two big things that I'm thinking a lot about recently, and I know James is as well as the threat of chronic wasting disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that could completely uh, transform in an in an unfortunate way how we manage deer in our state. Right. So that that threat is uh, a huge concern for us. You know we try to try to do all that we can to prevent that disease from being in Tennessee assuming that it's not and then not only um, trying to prevent it but if it if it does occur here or eventually does how how do we contain it so that it we minimize the impacts of it that that's uh, that's that's number one that's okay. that's the biggest issue and we'll talk more about that in a minute yeah and and probably the second <clears throat> biggest issue currently is is our our check-in procedures our tagging procedures for big game animals in general you know we're doing a a critical review of that now to determine if there's ways to enhance it so that's a that's a really big subject that that we're focused on okay all right and speaking of the way we're tagging deer and all that a lot of hunters love to come onto the site onto our website and see what the results of harvest not able to do that right now what's going on and will it come back well it it's evolving you know we used to have the hunter's toolbox it was referenced by a lot of sportsmen on our website Mm -hmm. and 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 that that's still in existence but it's pretty limited currently but i'm excited about the the new Cadillac system that we have coming, we've we've got a new uh, IT vendor that's responsible for that, and uh, they're they're going to take that uh, light years beyond where it has been. So very soon, hunters will be go will be to go into the new hunters toolbox and do much more than they did in the past. That'll be neat. so, and that's through the website tnwildlife.org, and which is going to look different in the next six or eight or months or also. So a lot of things changing there. Um, the harvest, though, you're saying statewide, when you say it's about regular, uh, it seems like in recent years, Tennessee's harvested around 165, 170,000 deer. Is that going to, is that about what you're thinking this year? Well, it, I, I anticipate a normal reported harvest. You know, that's something that uh, James is the, the deer program leader is teaching me and something that we all need to think more about. Uh, 
is the fact that the numbers that we reference are the reported harvest. Okay. Okay. So the 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 real harvest is going to vary from that. It's going to be a higher number. So one one other important thing that we're focused on is is trying to determine uh, what that difference is annually because that'll tell us a lot about what's actually happening with the deer population. Okay. So and when you, you say the actual reported harvest. Well, you got you got reported harvest, which is a count of all the deer that have been checked in, deer, turkey, bear, and um, un- unfortunately, we don't have a hundred percent compliance. Sure, which means that the actual harvest is higher than that. So it's going to be really important that we all realize that uh, and begin to think that way, and then to make up for the, or account for that by determining what's the difference between reported and actual so that we can do a better job of managing our deer population. Once upon a time, Chuck, before before you before you probably even started working for the agency, but certainly before you were in the national office, Chuck was a wildlife officer before mm-hmm. he came into here. There there was modeling that went on and I'm assuming that's what you're talking about, of creating models. When the agency was going through a process of of building the deer population, it had models that it worked off of and it included it seemed like to me it included Maybe not an unreported harvest. Maybe it did, but it reported things like we knew that some animals were probably run over, hit by cars. Is that what you're looking at in the future, just a different style of modeling? Well, maybe. What, what, I'm, what we need is we need more data to manage on. Okay, and the, and, the, and the reported harvest is just one piece of a much bigger puzzle that we need to put together to comprehensively or strategically manage our deer population. Is the information that you still gather the ones where we almost beg hunters sometimes to bring their deer to us, the opening of muzzleloader season, the opening of the gun season, the hunt, a lot of the hunts that, uh, that occur on our wildlife management areas, is that data as critical as ever to what we get measuring the length and looking at the teeth and and sometimes weighing the deer. We don't do that out in, in the county so much anymore, but I think we still do on some of our WMAs. Yeah, it, it's it's crucial. So not only, not only do we need reported harvest, but we also need an index of the living population. So how many, how many live deer are out there? And then the biological data that you're referring to, age data, uh, that sort of thing that we get through uh, processors and check stations are worth there. That's, that's crucial as well. But another component that we've got to focus on more in the future also is, is the, the, the hunter dimensions or the human dimensions or how hunters think, what they prefer, um, that sort of thing. So all of those data that, that are out there and available to us, we've got, we got to be more conscious about getting all that and then analyzing it appropriately and then building that into how we achieve our goals and objectives for deer management and bear and elk, et cetera. Okay. All right. And just, I'm not going to take you off into a bunch of bear, the other stuff much, but just a brief question on them. Are our bear, is our bear population, does your division thinking it's as good as ever? Are elk doing fine? Are turkey doing okay? Those are the other three big game that come to mind. Well, you may have to walk me through those one by one because I'm bound to forget one. I always seem to, but uh, deer, poppies, deer population is, is, is stable and doing great. The elk population is stable. Uh, we estimate that population around 400 animals currently. Okay. The the bear population continues to grow. The distribution continues to grow. So okay. we've, we've seen an increased distribution uh, west of the Cumberland Plateau, okay. which you know as well as I do that traditionally we think of bears being on the plateau east. Well, that's not necessarily the case anymore. Uh, so those populations are continuing to, to increase uh, turkeys. 
turkeys depends on the the area of the state it's it seems that uh, turkeys have stabilized for the most part across the state maybe um, maybe a decrease a small decrease in some areas that's that's a question for us and that's why you've you've heard and uh, so much about the Middle Tennessee study that they're right. doing. Just uh, we're just going to watch that closely, and that's, that that biological study that we're doing there down there should help us with okay. that. Okay. And while we're there, Dan Gibbs has been in here with Jason, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and also uh, we've had several folks talking about turkey. And want to remind you, every show that we've done so far is out on the various sites that we put them, and you can go watch Dan talk about bears in great length, and mm-hmm. also some of the discussions on turkey. Uh, especially the study that's going on. Richard gave, a, gave an index. Richard Kirk. Uh, yeah. So the, go look for those names. That. They're they're all out there for you, and, and uh, go into more detail than what Chuck can go into right now. Chuck, the thing I do want to go into detail with you about today, though, is chronic wasting disease, and, and you talked about it a minute ago as being the number one concern looking forward. Other states are already having to deal with the reality of it, and have been for several years. But we've had Missouri, I think, added. Not too long ago, Virginia's got chronic wasting disease in it now. Uh, Arkansas had it, reported it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have it so far, as far as you know, but are we checking for it? And is this going to be a um, continuing concern for maybe as far as we can see out in the future? Yeah, I think it will be a continuing concern. What we've done this year is we have uh, finalized a chronic wasting disease response plan, so we're prepared if the, if it were to occur here. In order to help sample for it, we've increased our sampling efforts. Um, well, what does that mean? I'm sorry. Yeah, what, thank what does you. It mean? Thank you for that. Because, and you know, this is something that couldn't be accomplished without hunters being cooperative and helping us. And so we're th- we're grateful for that. But so several hunters have probably noticed that we have staff members positioned at uh, processors and and check-in stations on the major hunting uh, weekends, and. If 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 we get the opportunity, we're going to take a lymph node sample from from each deer, and then submit that for disease testing, and uh, that's for chronic wasting disease. And you know, for quite some time we were doing a a modest amount of sampling, but now we've increased that greatly. Uh, this this year, I expect that we'll near two thousand samples. Golly, that's a lot of deer. Yeah, it, a lot of samples. It is a, it is a lot, but of course, it's relative. The the states that have chronic wasting disease are are up around eighteen thousand now. For example, Missouri. So testing, it, you mean testing? Yeah, wow, testing. Okay. So it's you know it's 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 relative, depending on the whether or not it occurs in the state. But but that is that is a great improvement, especially in one year. Um, probably have to do an increasing effort over time, uh, but it's a it's a really 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 big concern and something we've got to take seriously. Okay, we had a deer brought in recently from Missouri that that it's been sent off for testing. I don't know what the result is, but the thing is, is it came into our checking station and it came in full bodied, and that's not the way it's supposed to happen these days. And there's a reason for it. what what. First of all, what is chronic wasting disease in a nutshell, and what are the rules surrounding it pertaining to hunters who go out of our state and bring deer back? Yeah, so this is a really, really big subject, chronic wasting disease, and I'm, I'm not um, an animal disease expert, so um, forgive me if I if I simplify this or oversimplify it, but basically what you have is you have a, a uh, rogue protein that occurs in an animal, uh, in this case deer and elk, and and that protein results in holes in the brain which is going to obviously kill an animal 
and uh, and this disease certainly does that. And and the symptoms are is that the animal will simply waste away. So if you could imagine a deer or elk that looks like they're they're starving, mm-hmm. okay, and then they would show all the other symptoms that would go along with that. So that's that's it in a nutshell. Is is how and contagious? It is definitely contagious. Thank you for pointing that out. And it, it either animal to animal contact, uh, it can be transferred. But it can also be transferred environmentally. So a deer could, if there were if there were feces, urine on the ground or in the soil, then it's it, there, the potential exists for other deer to contract to contact that, and then and then uh, the the disease transfer from animal or from the environment to the animal. So that potential exists. So you got a very bad disease that is uh, passed either animal animal or through the environment, and that's that's a scary thing, especially considering that. Uh, it, it kills every animal that contacts it. Okay, and when you say animal, deer. We're deer. not talking about pigs or horses or cows or any of that stuff, right? Right. This um, this disease specifically uh, is, is affecting members of the deer family. The deer family. Now, there are variations of it that affect cattle and sheep and even humans, but in this case, that's, that's not the case. It's not known to transfer to humans. Okay, so... TWA's effort, Tennessee's effort, is to keep any states that have had an impact or an, they've reported in their states from bringing deer over. What are the rules, and why did this person that, that came over from Missouri had his deer confiscated from him, mm-hmm. taken away from him, and and uh, didn't make him very happy, but it was done for the safety of our deer herd. All right, so these uh, these rogue proteins can manifest themselves in the central nervous system of an animal, mm-hmm. okay? And, and that's why we take a lymph node sample, because that's a part of your an animal's uh, central nervous system just like it is for us but because those proteins exist there the goal is is through this regulation that you're referring to is to when hunters bring their animals from cwd positive areas into tennessee that they they leave all that material behind okay. it's not brought into the state so so positive states like arkansas missouri virginia if you're going to bring your animals in from those states then they've got to be deboned the skull plates have to be clean antlers clean teeth that sort of thing so we're trying to keep all that central nervous uh, material out of our state because that that could be how it how it is introduced into tennessee find your processor over there in this case before mm-hmm. you bring them back yeah exactly have it processed there um and certainly you need to be familiar with what where this applies to exactly i mean, it's there is the responsibility as always of knowing the law and if you go to somebody else's state you need to know their law and our law too correct right and are there somebody wrote on our facebook the other day and said something about alabama being a state somebody brought a deer from alabama but alabama's not among the states correct that's correct all right so you got to know what states are they listed in our guide do you go to the website do you go to the state's websites that you're going to and, and look yeah there's um it's on it's a it's on our website and we keep an updated list there okay. we, we reference it in the hunting guide but the list changes annually, right so we can. got we got to be more flexible than that so we do that communications through our website okay i want to bring up virginia too because virginia is a state that's had it that that next year starting in the spring sometime goes on this list right even now it is to a, if you're in certain counties up in virginia am i wrong on that chuck that's right. Okay. But next year, even Virginia, if you're bringing a deer from Virginia down to Tennessee, it's got to do everything you just said. That's correct. Okay. All right. And as far as the, the chronic wasting disease in other states, I know you're talking to your counterparts. Are they getting a grip on it? Or is it spreading in their states? Do you know? Especially speaking of Missouri or Arkansas that's so close. 
uh, are they starting to figure it out? And are we watching them all the time to see what they're doing that might work for us if we have the day? Absolutely. Uh, we're looking at successes and failures in other states uh, to determine how we respond. Uh, there, the, the only true success, I'll call it, is, has been in New York, where they caught it very, very early. And uh, to their knowledge, it's not present in any living animals there, but they're having to do constant sampling to, uh, to be sure. But once a, state become, once a state has chronic wasting disease, it never goes back to CWD-free. So uh, once you get it, that's off the table. So even in New York, it's not considered chronic wasting disease-free, but it's been quite some time since they found it in, a, in, a, in an animal. So uh, I, w- I would call that a success as far as uh, containing the disease. But, uh, you know, your Arkansas example, um, you know, they're doing the best they can down there, but in the areas where they're finding it, the prevalence is as much as 24%, I believe. Golly, it's a lot of deer. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a high percentage of diseased animals. So uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're fighting an uphill battle there. And that's the, if you look at those two examples, that's why it's so important to catch it early because depending on how many animals are diseased is going to determine how successful you are in containing it. So you got to catch it early so there's fewer animals so you can uh, limit the population there so that it doesn't just continue to, um, to grow. All right, and I have a question on if this gets in Tennessee, what's the impact going to be on our the success that we're having with our deer being you know killing these monster bucks now and seeing the growth in these in these bucks and the number of deer? What's the impact going to be on that? Will it change that much at all? Well, what you'll see is you'll see a change in population numbers eventually. Uh, some of that on purpose, and some of it not. So. This is a big subject as well, but what the 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 response if we find it is that we're gonna we're going through hunting and and whatever means is is um, is is needed is is the population is going to need to be reduced in that area. Okay, so you're going to have a, a kind of a man uh, initiated reduction in the population, mm-hmm. but even even without that, over time the population will eventually decrease because animals are are dying at a quicker rate so in in areas where it's really prevalent out in the west they're seeing population declines because of it now as far as age structure i think that's what you're emphasizing there whether it's males or females is that once once this disease is prevalent in a population animals will basically survive long enough to reproduce okay and what that means is is that you know, they, they, they could uh, expire or die at two and a half years old, where normally their lifespan may be longer than that. So what, what begins to happen is overall your population is younger, mm. okay? So you don't see as many of these older age class deer uh, that, that we're uh, fortunate to be experiencing now. Mm. So it, it turns the age structure upside down. Okay. That, and your management follow? upside down. Yeah, that's... That's not. That's not good. All right, and we don't be all doomsdaysy. We just want to be cautious. Right. But Chuck, there's got to be some feeling that that it's inevitable one day. I hope I'm wrong on that. But is there that feeling there, or is it we're gonna? I know we're gonna fight it to the bitter end. But is there? What are our chances 25 years from now not having chronic wasting disease? You know, I I, I really don't know the answer to that. Uh, but 
I'll agree with you that we've got to be proactive and prevent it the best oh, we, we are. can. I think you've been yeah. wonderful. And, and yeah. there is a plan, right, and that yeah. you've worked on the plan. Yeah. Crime. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a long, lengthy plan that would take a while to read and took you a long time to work on. Well, I had a lot of help. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a bit of a monumental task. But, it's you know, it's, it's, it's worthwhile. And that, that's the whole thing about this. Yeah, it would it would it would be easy to get discouraged and think that well this is going to happen. There's no sense in getting all excited about it. But um, we'd be kidding ourselves if if we said that that we shouldn't do all that we can do to protect this most important resource. It is. It's financially important. People love deer hunting, and it's important to your lifestyle. And there's no telling how many millions upon millions of dollars that TWA has spent the sportsman's dollars restoring white-tailed deer right. uh, that started all the way back in the 1930s in some form or another and really what got rolling in the 60s and 70s and we have the deer that we have today thanks to the dollars of sportsmen a lot of hard work and millions and millions of dollars and all that could be wiped out if we're not careful yeah and some of this is personal for me and it's my passion for deer hunting and uh, for deer management and uh, so it's a really big deal you won't see me back away from this fight Okay. And to see what New York's done, I mean, it's be we'd be foolish not to try not to, to do the yeah, same be thing. proactive yeah. and and stop it right. the best we can. Right. Are your yeah. friends over in Arkansas going crazy? They're busy. They're, they're busy. busy. So this is just uh, we don't we don't hopefully we don't have to experience what they're going through here. All right, Chuck, and you hear the music, so we're almost out. But this is nothing to do with deer. But you were on a few weeks on our Facebook talking about fires on wildlife management areas and so forth. Actually, that was that was Mark. What's the latest on the fires? Are we good now with all the rain across state on our WMAs? Well, it, it, the the rain has certainly helped. I wouldn't say that we're totally out of it, um, but um, we're in a better place. All right. Chuck, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Enjoy all right. Have it. a good Christmas. Yeah. Same right. to you. All right. Hey, watch this show at TWRATV, TMWildlife.org. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on iTunes. You can listen watch just about anywhere you want to find us. So Watch all the old programs. Some great stuff out there. We'll see you next week on Tennessee Wildcast. See y'all.